Welcome everyone to the Marvel Avengers Rewatch series. We are the Credulous Nerds, Mark and Justin. And today we'll be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. And as always, my name is Justin and I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? So Age of Ultron is the 12th episode in the Avengers Rewatch uh, series that we're doing. And this movie came out in 2015, so three years ago. And it was directed by Joss Whedon, who had also directed the first Avengers. So he's back with the sequel. And as far as the starring, we have the, the normal cast of characters that we've grown to know and love with the Avengers. You know, we got uh, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers or Captain America. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man or Tony Stark. Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth is back as Thor. Mike Ruffalo is Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow or Natasha Romanoff. Jeremy Renner is Clint Barton or Hawkeye. And we have Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. And Paul Bettany as Jarvis. Colby Smulders is Agent Maria Hill. Anthony Mackie, Sam Wilson or the Falcon. We have a cameo by Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. And then we also have some some new characters introduced in this film. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen is Wanda Maximoff, or the Scarlet Witch. Aaron Taylor Johnson is Pietro Maximoff, or Quicksilver. And James Spader stars as Ultron. What was your thought initially, if you remember... Um, with James Spader being Ultron, Mark? Uh, you know, I've known James Spader before, but probably the, the most recent one I remembered him in is um, that series he does now. You know what I'm talking about? Blacklist? Yeah, Blacklist. Um, and I've really liked him in that. So when I heard he was doing it, I was, I was kind of excited, but when I heard he was going to be, you know, like a robot guy, I was a little worried. But I think it all came out. I, I liked uh, how how he did. Just his voice is just kind of what you would – it matched It matched uh, Ultron, right? Yeah. And his ideals and what he wanted to do and everything. It just matched. I liked it. It, it really was a smart choice in the end. But I was a little skeptical just because just of how they were casting him. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little worried too. From you know, I've seen him on the blacklist, and then he was also on the Office for a little bit when Michael Scott left, and he came in to take over uh, his spot for a few episodes, and he was pretty funny there. So I was just wondering how it was going to play out, right? But uh, like you said, it was—I think it was a good casting choice with his, you know, because it was just his voice that that they used, and it turned out pretty well. Um. Yeah, so that's the the cast that we got uh, to work with, and so this movie is chronologically, at least in our timeline, the Credulous Nerds timeline, is after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, we've been looking at, you know, some of the proposed timelines out there on the internet. Uh, there's little variants here with how Guardians of the Galaxy fits in with the 
overall story since it takes place in space in a you know different part of the galaxy. And so it's I don't know, it's I don't think it's that important as to exactly where it is on the timeline. But in the movies uh that we're looking at it came after the second Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um Infinity Stones in this film, we got uh, the Mind Stone. We get, we've known it was in Loki's staff that he'd been using in the, the previous Avengers, but we finally get to see the actual stone, and it's not just the staff in this film. Uh, some shield connection. In Captain America Winter Soldier, we see how the Triskelion was destroyed, uh, the leadership of... Shield was, you know, evil. They were Hydra, basically, and Nick Fury and Black Widow d- dissolved that leadership. But yet, Shield is still around, and we got the Shield Agents of Shield TV series going on at the same time as this. And it mm. looks like, from what I gather, Shield is loosely involved or back together with Nick Fury showing up in this film in in the helicarrier towards the end with. Agent Hill and some other agents on on the helicarrier. So, are they back together, or what? What do you think is going on there, Mark? Well, so if you watch Agents of Shield, what happens is that after it's dissolved, so um, it right after the uh, uh, was it civil, uh, not Civil War Winter Soldier yeah. happens uh, in Agents of Shield, there's a complete breakdown. Right. Uh, Agents are out in the field and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Like they just hear rumors. Uh, Agents are starting to fight each other and no one knows who's in charge. There's a seniority in S.H.I.E.L.D. that uh, that goes, but not everybody knows who's the most senior and where everyone stands. So in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you see one of the agents start like totally betray Coulson in that group. And they start trying to fi- they figure out he's Hydra. They figure out that some of the other leaders are Hydra. And for about a season, they go through and are trying to uh, re- rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. And it, when all the des- dust comes down, Agent Coulson's kind of chosen to, to lead S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, he gets a visit from um, Nick Fury, who tells him to, to lead S.H.I.E.L.D. But you still get the sense that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s pretty fragmented. They're not sure who to trust. There's different groups out there that that keep saying that they're the real shield, and uh, you know to trust them, and so it's kind of a race for resources, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Everyone's running to try to, you know, collect all the most important things. They they're going to ships and you know collecting things off ships and et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that it's a portion of Shield that that helps them out, you know, of, of the fragments of Shield. But I don't okay. think it's anything like that you, you saw what S.H.I.E.L.D. used to be. Okay. I don't think that, um, that they're a main group. And I don't know what happened you know, too much after that. I kind of stopped watching S.H.I.E.L.D. after I think the next season after this. But, um, uh, so, but at this time, I think it's just kind of like a, a fragmented part of S.H.I.E.L.D. that's helping them. I don't think it's the main group or – you know, the majority of shield that's still around because no one knows who to trust. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cause the, the ship that the helicarrier that Nick Fury does show up in is not, it's not the same as the ones from 
the first Avengers or from the uh, Winter Soldier. There was the three of them. And they were fully stocked. There was tons of people on the ships helping out. And this one is kind of bare bones, at least from what I gather. There wasn't as many people on there as there were before. So yeah, it'd no, just be it... like a small portion of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so I remember we went and saw this film in the theater. And they were having a Marvel movie marathon where they started with kind of like what we've done over the past couple months where they started with Iron Man 1 and just went through all the movies as they were released chronologically. And <laughs> Is this the one that was that we did, the 24-hour thing? Yeah, it was and 24 hours. You wimped out? <laughs> Great. <laughs> and uh, we bought a ticket and we sat there in the seats and it was packed <laughs> from the beginning then about and I, what time did it start? Did it start in the morning or was it like mid afternoon? I can't. Yeah, remember. I think it was like four or five in the afternoon. Okay, so the theater's packed. We're sitting there, we're all excited. It starts off. We're watching the films. Everybody's clapping and cheering and stuff. And then about midnight, eleven o'clock, people start to file out and they're gonna go home because the way they did the tickets, you could you could leave, like go to dinner and come back or whatever. And so I left about, was it like two, one or two in the morning and I went home and slept till about seven. But Mark was the trooper and represented the nerds. He stayed there. And part of it was, you know, I'm six, seven and those seats are pretty tight as it is and it was packed. So I left, but apparently more people left after I did. And so you got to lay down on like five or six seats, right? You got to stretch out. Yeah, I laid like straight across the seats and just laid there. It was pretty well more comfortable than it was because it's tough sitting there that long. I remember, and uh, you know, and it's your theaters aren't warm, so you're kind of cold. And I was like, some people had brought pillows and blankets, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I do that? <laughs> yeah. So, so I I went home, slept, came back. We then it just kept going till like seven until this movie was released for the first time. So after 24 hours or so of, of Marvel, was this movie worth it when we saw it in the theaters? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I remember, and, and I still think this, and, you know, it's, it's so, it's kind of trivial. It's not the movie, but I, I remember it It still bugs me to this day when I think about being in the theater, and it still bugs me when I watch the movie. I feel like the first sequence, that whole action scene, I feel like they like semi-muted all the sounds. Oh, yeah, they did that. Yeah, it was the yeah. theater they messed up. Yeah, but it's like that. Like I've rewatched the movie since then, and it's like that in the actual film. Oh, yeah? Like, I, have, yeah. I didn't get that from when I saw it a couple of days ago. Oh, maybe, maybe I, I mean, cause I rewatched it like a couple weeks ago and I remember thinking kind of the same thing, but maybe it was just me think like having a bias, but I remember watching it. I was like, this is horrible. Like this should be like wham, bam explosions. You got all the guys out in the field and it's just like, like feels numbed, you know, yeah. it's like, and I was just like, this is, this sucks. Like I was so annoyed. And, and then after that first sequence, it picked back up, but I just feel like they, 
I don't know, dumb that down. And it could have been a theater thing, but I, like I said, I've seen it before. Maybe watch it. If you guys watch it, tell me what you think, if, if you get that feeling too. But I just remember that stuck with me since. And I was so annoyed by that. It kind of ruined the whole film for me. Yeah. And I think we were sitting there watching it and it was like muted, like you were saying. And, but then we could hear another theater showing it. We could hear it through the walls. Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> And it was it wasn't one of the theaters that did the all night movie. It was just the kind of the normal showing of the of the film, and they had started at the same time that we did. And I just remember being annoyed, like you said, at mass. Like, well, why why isn't our theater showing the best version of of the movie? You know, we've been here, we paid more money to see this film, and we're getting this crappy experience. So, yeah. Um, one thing on that opening sequence that I noticed on our rewatch was, I mean, it was there were some cool moments. Like it starts out, they're fighting, they're infiltrating uh, this castle and the lands around the castle. So they're fighting in the forest against all these guys. And it was just strange that they had all this tech. Like it was Hydra agents. And they had guys that could fly in like Iron Man type suits. They had weapons with lasers on them. And it just seemed like, well, where's all this tech been all, you know, this whole time? Is this newly created stuff or, and I don't think we really see it afterwards either. I I think we saw it in the first Avengers a little bit. It's the stuff that they created. Okay. Here's another part. So in Captain America, the first Avenger in the forties, we see them with these laser guns, right? That just totally annihilate people. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and they use the Tesseract to yeah. create, right? Yeah, that power came from the Tesseract. And then jump ahead till the first Avengers, they kind of got the same type of weapons, but they're hiding them, they're stockpiling them, right? On the helicarrier. And then jump ahead to this movie, and they have similar type weapons again. But these are the only films that we see that technology in. And I'm just like, where's where's it been? You know, how come Hydra's not using it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? TV series or why aren't they using it in Captain America uh, Winter Soldier or whatever you think it's because their lack of access to a Infinity Stone uh, well that's a good question because S.H.I.E.L.D. has the, the Tesseract or they did for the longest time and that's where they got the technology to develop their weapons mm-hmm. but, and then when they got the Mind Stone that's when they they all of a sudden had the that tech, yeah. you know, and I guess the only other time you really see anything like that is when you get you jump forward to um, uh, Spider Man, but they use Chichari technology to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It just seems inconsistent that they mm-hmm. have this this technology that only certain movies use. Well, especially like with the downfall, like Hydra's about to take over, right? In in the last film, so <laughs> why didn't they bring out the big guns, you know, to take over, yeah. you know, kind of thing? But yeah, interesting. That's a good question indeed. And uh, you know, you and I were talking about it uh, earlier, you know, with the with the timeline problems, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that, you know, in other films. But. Um, I, I wonder if this is kind of one of those problems too, a technology problem as far as, you know, in the movies goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they're, they're infiltrating this base. Hydra has these 
sweet technology, laser guns. And the Avengers are able to overcome them. Uh, there's some cool scenes. You know, you got the the cameo, or not the cameo, but the the opening shot where they're all kind of jumping at the same time, and they it slows down. You get this, you know, shot of all all the Avengers at the same time. That was pretty cool. And then they go on and keep fighting. Um, but it, for me, the whole sequence was it came across as too choreographed. And I think, I mean, it's cool. There's a lot of action going on, but there was so much action going on that you're like, okay, there's no way that would happen in real life, you know, because there was just so many variables going on with this guy falling and Captain America throwing his shield at the right time and jumping, you know, it's just, it gets to the point where it's too artificial. It's cool, but it's too artificial. And it, I, that's the impression I got from from this opening sequence it was just a little too nice and neat and packaged with a bow on top well especially considering the increase of technology they're fighting yeah like that you think there's more opposition like especially and i and i really think <laughs> i like agent romanoff i like clint you know barton but they're not superheroes yeah they're you know agents they're just agents, like good agents. Yeah, okay, like amazing agents. But um, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just so so crazy that that these two just make it like ain't no business. You know, like oh, we're we're one of the team, and it's like yeah, well, yeah, I, okay, you're part of the team, but you're not Captain America. Yeah, you're and, not Iron Man. And Thor. you know, yeah, and Agent Romanoff's jumping in. Like the only time I really liked. That I, I really thought that that they did well with Agent Romanoff is when she fought the Winter Soldier and he just cleaned her up, right? Yeah. And uh, with uh, um, dang it, what's his name in Civil War? The next movie. Yeah. You know when he blows up or something like that. That guy too. He just kind of handles it and I'm like that's what it should be, but it seems like nobody else can, and she just goes through. No, doesn't matter how much armor they have on or whatever. She's just too amazing to get a shot or anything, yeah. and that that's always been kind of off to me. Yeah. So anyway, they infiltrate the castle, or at least Iron Man does. Tony Stark, and he finds the the staff that has the the Infinity Stone. But there's two new characters that we were introduced to in, at the end of uh, Winter Soldier, uh, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, who are twins, and. The guy, Van, Baron Von Strucker, who's the lead scientist at this Sokovian castle, he uh, has been experimenting on different people. And these two volunteered to participate in these experiments. And their backstory is their, their parents were killed in a, in a battle previously. And the, the people who were attacking their village used Tony Stark's weapons. And so their parents died. They were able to be saved, but they had a vendetta against Tony Stark because of that. So they wanted to get revenge and they volunteered for these experiments. And eventually uh, this uh, Infinity Stone gave uh, Quicksilver this super speed. I mean, we've seen it in this film as well as in the X-Men film. Um, He's, he makes an appearance. This character makes an appearance there as well. But don't you think that uh, 
with the differences in it, it kind of shut out a X-Men Marvel connection. Yeah. Like end of uh like that's never going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so. I and I kind of wonder if they're even the same character because their backstories are completely different. Right, because one is the son of uh Magneto. Yep. No no twin sister. Right. Born in the US of A. Yep. The other is born somewhere else, is made to become a hero, dies. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, I don't know. Because I've always thought, I wonder if they were going to bring the X-Men in, especially after Disney started acquiring. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I I wonder if they are going to acquire Wolverine. But I don't know about X-Men as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but, they're, yeah, they're two different characters, at least in the movies. They're supposed to be the same character because they have the same abilities, same name, all that stuff. But uh, cinematic-wise, they're they're different. Uh, and so uh, he gets the super speed, and she gets the uh, ability to. It's kind of telekinesis. Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Where you can move, you can well, you can read people's minds and influence them, and then she's able to manipulate objects as well with her powers. So don't know I don't remember what that's called, but she seems to be the more powerful powerful of the two of a lot of the Avengers actually. Yeah, like I mean they have to in Civil War, right? They have to have Vision Watcher. Yeah. True. And so they're they're with uh, they end up meeting up with Ultron. You know he wants to wipe them out, the Avengers out. But for now, in the, they're in this castle and they decide to enter the fray and they go after uh, the Avengers and start to trick them and manipulate them. And the Scarlet Witch she messes with Tony's mind in the sense that he plays on his fear that these aliens that attacked New York would come back and destroy everything. And so he has a vision of the destruction of the Avengers and earth as we know it. And I always wondered, was that like a, like a vision where he saw the future or is that just his fear of what could happen? I think the movie portrayed it as what could happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. I think it was, I think it was more than just like I'm putting thoughts in your mind. Uh, but it played off like one of his greatest fears as well, yeah. especially with the Chitari, because he's been, I mean, you saw in, was it Thor 2, when he was having, you know, that PTSD with the Chitari and everything and saving the world. So Iron Man 3. Or was it Iron Man 3? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, you know, you, you can see that, you know, he already has this deep fear of it. And I think she just kind of, you know, highlighted that fear. Yeah. And, uh, and and it really kind of changed the course of you know the Avengers. And I think this is where you really start to see the divide between Iron Man and Steve Rogers. Yeah, definitely. And it, it plays out a little bit later in the film, <clears throat> which was probably one of the most interesting parts of the film for me, anyway. But um, so yeah, on a little backstory on Von Strucker. He he's uh, he was a Hydra agent, and I guess he still is. But, you know, they kind of went a different direction with him or his his posterity because there's the show called The Gifted on Fox 
and that's kind of an X-Men type uh, show. But his, so he had, Baron von Strucker had two children, and I'm not sure if they were his biological children or just uh, volunteers again for these types of experience, but they were experimented on and developed gifts, you know, powers as a result. And their, uh, or actually his grandchildren and great-grandchildren are the major characters in this show, The Gifted, on Fox. So that's kind of a tie-in there where we got this character from Hydra and then we got his posterity branching out and being a part of that universe. And it's, it's a pretty good show. I haven't finished watching it, but uh, from what I've seen, I, I, I like most of it. So check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, so uh, the Avengers were able to get the staff. They capture Von Strucker, shut down that operation but Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver escape, and um, Hawkeye was shot. He was injured during this this thing. So they head back to uh, Stark Tower in New York. They got this uh, thing, this, I don't know if what it is exactly, but they use some synthetic material to heal Hawkeye, you know, and kind of create some skin for him that meshes well with his already existing skin. And that comes into play later in the film. And so I think that's kind of why they introduced that technology there. And then, so they have the staff. Tony wants to study it before Thor takes it back to Asgard for our safekeeping. And so him and Bruce Banner, they start to study it for three days. <clears throat> and what they come up with is... There's the inside of this this stone is a thinking kind of a brain is what they describe it as mm-hmm. an alien mind and it's alive it's thinking and so they wanted to do something with it and this is kind of where I, maybe I missed it in the film or how did they come up with Ultron was Ultron already something that was like a program that was written or did is Ultron the actual mind of that comes from the stone so Ultron I think is kind of a program that was really close to um the winter soldier idea when they were going to put those helicarriers in the air yeah and they were going to stop things before they happened really to protect earth so that the avengers could retire and so it was something like I don't know if it was a plan, initiative, a program, whatever it was, but um, Tony had an idea for Ultron that it would protect the Earth and that the Avengers would no longer have to do it. Okay. And so, like I said, it's really close to the idea what was going on in The Winter Soldier, but apparently it was supposed to be a little bit different. And he saw the idea that this thing could be like the ultimate AI, right? And this AI would protect... The entire world, and, and because it was it was far larger and, and better than Jarvis, and Jarvis was far above anything else. I mean, this thing was pretty much unlimited potential, is what they saw it as. And so I think that Tony just saw it like, oh, Ultron, Project Ultron, whatever it is, can be. It, it can be this, whatever this is. This can be the new Ultron. 
this will take care of. So I think that's where it came from as opposed to like anything that was actually substantial or, or anything like that. It was just an idea. Okay. So Tony Stark created the Ultron idea. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I, I mean, I don't, I haven't dug into it enough to know for sure, but it sounds like that. Yes, that's the case, and that he'd been working on a way to implement that. And you can kind of see that right when uh, Hulk kind of starts going crazy, and then he has all those, you know, helper bots come out and be like, "You're okay, get off the road," you know, and they're trying to protect the people. Mm-hmm. I think that though that that was the beginning of Ultron. Okay. Oh, uh, and then we got the was it? What do they? What do you call it? The uh, Victoria or something? The shoot! I thought I wrote it down. What is it? The the suit that came the Hulkbuster suit that was launched from space. It was like in part of the satellite. Oh, that they the one refer to it. A, they gave it a name. The one that hasn't evolved at all. In you know to the new one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is called Veronica. Veronica. Yeah. So is Veronica part of that too? Where it's it's in the up in space and you can deploy it whenever and so use it from what from what I understand is that Veronica was required not as was created not as a part of Ultron but as a part. Uh, to to keep people safe in case Hulk becomes uncontrollable. Okay. Because and I think they've done a good job with this. I think when like we saw in the Hulk, Hulk was really uncontrollable, right? He was just rage upon rage, and he would just destroy anything and everything. And then towards the end of the movie, you could see that Bruce Banner could start to kind of control the Hulk. Right, but not not wholly. Like it could still go crazy a bit, and then you jump forward to Thor, like the latest Thor one. And I know we're jumping ahead of what we're talking about, but then he's like in complete control. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, so I think at this time Hulk is still pretty, you know, kind of hit and miss. Like he can guide him for the most part, but you know, if he gets too mad or you know. Too much anxiety or something, he'll be unstoppable. So, Veronica was created specifically to counter him. Okay. So, we got Ultron, we got Jarvis, we got Veronica, and then at the end of the movie, we see Friday, right? Yes, (laughs) Friday. And it looked like he had, did you notice this too? He had created way more than just Jarvis and Friday. Yeah. Like he had like a whole like whole group of them, right? Yeah. Like, oh, here's Friday and here's whatever the I don't know if they were named days of the week or whatever, but um, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, so kind of you know Tony Stark's been doing a lot of things over the past couple months or a year or whatever it's been since Iron Man three. I mean, he he was building suits like mad because he couldn't sleep, but then he got past that. So I guess he's been doing creating AI. Since mm-hmm. since then, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right, so they they make it back to Stark Tower, and they're kind of celebrating their success. They have a party. And there's a pretty funny part. Uh, you know, we we got um, Rhodey going around trying to tell the story, and he tells it to <laughs> the Avengers, and they're like, "Oh, is that it? Oh, that's is that the funny part?" <laughs> 
<laughs> Thor, like, yeah. Thor's like, oh yeah, it's it's very very good story. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> And then he goes and tells it to the normal people, and they think it's hilarious. And he's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am pretty good. <laughs> so we got that yeah. part, and then we got the Stan Lee cameo where he's him and his war buddies are there at the at the party. And Thor's got this Asgardian drink. It's just super powerful. He's like, no, you don't want this. This is way too powerful for you. But he ends up giving it to him anyway. And after like two drops, they're, they're just completely drunk. They're trash. <laughs> they, they carry him off, and he's like, a Celsius. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our Stanley moment there. He made it into this one. And then, um, so then after the party, they're all just kind of chilling. We've got the Thor's hammer part where everyone tries to lift it, and he's just sit- Thor's just sitting there, you know, just kicking back. Yeah, you're not going to be able to lift it. And then Steve Rogers steps up, and it, like, barely moves, and you see Thor get all worried. He's like, what? <laughs> what's going on <laughs> and then he can't lift it anymore so he relaxes and what makes you want and it makes you wonder too then what are the exact qualities or what do you need exactly to be uh worthy of yeah. thor yeah yeah i don't think they've ever defined that but yeah so then they're all chilling and then ultron comes alive he the the program they were creating to mesh the two uh, together finishes. Ultron becomes aware and he kind of he attacks Jarvis and Jarvis uh, is able to escape through the internet to somewhere. And Ultron builds himself a, a body from Tony Stark's Sentinel program, and he he comes alive and he starts talking and the Avengers are like. Well, what's that? Who's that? He, they have their first con- uh, confrontation. Ultron attacks them, and he takes over the other Sentinels that are there, and they have a, a duel there in Tony Stark's tower, and he Ultron escapes. So at this point, they're like, you know, what's well, who's Ultron? <laughs> Who created Ultron? And so this is where we start to see Steve Rogers and Tony Stark at odds, even more so than what they were in the last film. And it's always it always seems to be the same issue, right? Uh, people want to create something to stop evil before it happens, stop the crime before it's committed. But Steve Rogers is deeply opposed to that because that's you know how kind of the, how the Nazis and Hydra did business, and he learned the hard way back in 1942 or whenever it was and he's he's still opposed to it he still doesn't like it well it's because like what what he said about it right this isn't freedom this is fear yeah and uh, I, I think that's important to kind of who Steve Rogers is and I think that's also his down like part of his downfall is he's he's really rigid in that thinking he you know what i mean and and you kind of see it later in the movie when thor has to side with uh tony stark to create vision right that uh, uh, steve rogers wouldn't have understood and um so i think uh you know he's he's i don't it's hard to explain but he's like good to the point of being flawed that he doesn't see that sometimes there's a middle ground yeah He's too far. He's too good. He's too far the other on the good side. 
Mm-hmm. There are laws and morals and everything that you should abide by. But if it blinds you from being human or being, I don't know, more flexible, more what? Like being flexible or yeah. something like that. I, I liken kind of him into it to, uh, do you know, what's, what's that guy from um, uh, Doctor Strange that leaves at the end? Oh, yeah. I can't remember his name. The, but you know what I'm talking guy. about. Yeah, but I kind of liken those two together, that they're just so rigid in their thinking that it's really hard for anything else to be acceptable. Yeah. I think Steve Rogers is coming around, but he's still pretty inflexible. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we, we see this play out throughout the rest of this film and into the next Captain America Civil War is when it comes to a head. And I think that's the most interesting storyline of of everything we've seen in these movies. That storyline's been, I think it picked up in Avengers, the first one, and it's going to carry out through the rest of them. So, uh, Ultron escapes. He goes to Sokovia, and he comes. He meets up with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and they're going to help him out because he's against Tony Stark, so they jump on board with that plan. He gets... Uh, Vibranium from Ulysses Claw. Do you notice that that tied into uh, Black Panther? Yeah. Yeah, I it, um, I was watching it. I'm like, oh, hey, that ties in because it said that he got away and he sold it for like tons of money. And I'm like, oh, well, that's where he got it from, right yeah. there. Because Ultron gave him all that money for it. <laughs> well, he stole it from Wakanda prior to that. Mm-hmm. It only cost him an arm. <laughs> well, he stole it from Wakanda, and that's when he got the brand, which is how the Avengers found him. Mm, oh, that's right. And then, so he, then he was hiding out in the ship with all the vibranium that he stole. And then that's when Ultron shows up and cuts off his arm, steals it. Well, I guess he paid him. He paid him a lot of money. Yeah. I don't remember when he cut off his arm. Why'd he cut off his arm? I don't remember why. Uh, so he, they gave him the money, and he said something about Tony Stark. And Ultron just flipped out and grabbed him oh, by the arm. And, he compared him with Tony Stark. He's like, are you one of Tony Starks or something yeah, like that? He's yeah. like, what? Yeah. So he sliced off his arm. <laughs> and then, then the Avengers show up at that point. They have a, a duel in the ship, which, which was pretty sh- sweet. And this is when we sir, we first see... Scarlet Witch and the depth of her abilities. We saw a little bit of it in the beginning of the film, but here she's able to use her powers on Steve Rogers, on Thor, on Bruce Banner, on Hawkeye to some degree, but he's able to withstand it because of his previous exposure to the Mind Stone from the first Avengers. So that was pretty interesting. And then also on Natasha Romanoff. So she literally takes them all out, except for Tony, who wasn't there at the time. But uh, for the rest of them, she incapacitates all of them. So mm-hmm. uh, they kind of she plays off their their worst fear or their deepest regret, I guess, whichever one. And um, with Hulk, we don't see what it is, but you know, we see Bruce Banner, and then we see the Hulk. So obviously, it just um, 
his I think Bruce Banner's biggest fear is being the Hulk and not being able to control himself, which is what we see. Hulk just goes insane, starts trashing the city and that's that's close by there and um there's nothing nobody can do to stop him. He's just in a rage, right? Oh yeah. Yep, just beyond control. Yeah. You know, he he it's destruction just to destroy things. Like he doesn't even have a purpose. And um this is where we see Veronica come down and even with everything that they put in uh, because uh Bruce Banner helped create Veronica and even with all that it wa- it almost wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if it, Veronica Veronica slowed him down. To the point where then Tony could take him out and subdue him. So, and after that is kind of when the tone shifts towards the Avengers. That's when people start becoming more afraid of them and what they can do. And uh, they they feel the, the guilt. You know, they realize that the destruction of that city was their responsibility. And... They I, they go into hiding. They go to Clint Barton's house. It's a safe house in the middle of the mountains. And they kind of take a break there. And we get to see Hawkeye, and he's got a wife and some kids. His wife's pregnant. You know, he's the, the only one that's normal, I guess you could say, that's, you know, has a family life. So we kind of get to see where his motivations come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while they're doing that, uh, Ultron gains more power. He builds, he ends up building uh, tons of foot soldiers, uh, iron, his own type of Iron Man, and they're all made out of vibranium, right? Or they were they just metal? No. Uh, so the vi- he created the eventually what Vision, you know, the the body Vision takes, and that's all vibranium. Okay. It's got a vibranium, like, base, but he uses um, that skin or that biochemical, whatever that lady was creating, and mixed them so it looked more real, like it wasn't, you know, like super metal-y. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, So they – Ultron go – like, he gets the the Mind Stone. He takes off to uh, South Korea to meet up with the lady that who, who did the skin graft on Hawkeye earlier in the movie. And like you said, they create vision, the body out of vibranium and this skin graft technology. And it's interesting because that's, you know, what Black Panther's suit is made out of, vibranium, pure vibranium, right? So they're kind of very similar in their makeup that way. So all the powers and stuff that vibranium has that black panther uses vision also has but he's also got the mind stone on top of that so initially they were going to create this body and ultron would download his conscious into this body and then eventually you know he would be indestructible at that point he could do whatever he want no one could stop him and so scarlet witch is there him and quicksilver or her and Quicksilver, and she senses what his plan is. And she realizes that they need to stop him. So they were able to stop Ultron, 
from downloading his conscious into that. And the Avengers show up at that same time from Clint Barton's house. They go there and um, they start to move the body, the vision body, somewhere else so that they can't, the Avengers can't find him. And, but they do, and the Avengers are able to steal that body. And Ultron isn't able to download his conscious into that body yet. So from there, they take the body back to their facility, their hideout. And I know they take it back to Stark Tower, right? And they're trying to, so um, Bruce and Tony are trying to do, finish the process with Jarvis. Instead of downloading Ultron's consciousness into him, they're going to download Jarvis's consciousness. And then Steve Rogers shows up. And this is when you start to see things splinter between them. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that Ultron and Jarvis, they're both AI. Why do you think they ended up so different? I think they had different purposes. Ultron's purpose was to protect the Earth. And kind of like with what we saw in Winter Soldier, if you have to kill a billion to save four billion, then that's how they're going to do it. You know, take out these bad guys to save the humanity as a whole, then they're willing to do that. And I think that was Ultron's plan. He had that same mindset. While Jarvis, he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't a defense system. He was... Tony's assistant, right? Mm-hmm. He was a helper. So, I think when you combine... Plus, we didn't see Ultron completely fuse himself with the Mind Stone. But, and we did get to see Jarvis do that with the Mind Stone. So, I think um, that made a big difference in how they acted. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, though, but... So I do want to point out one thing is when they're in the South Korean lab with the lady and he's downloading his consciousness and Scarlet Witch figures out his plan to destroy humanity just to save and start over, basically. um, Ultron makes a comment about his plan to destroy most of humanity. He says, he's he's talking about, uh, you know, these events that destroy life you know there's been six other ones but humans are still around and he says when the earth starts to settle god throws a stone at it and believe me he's winding up that was his statement and we kind of in this past few weeks we've seen some promotional material from avengers infinity war where we got thanos and it looks like he's grabbing a moon out of the sky to throw at presumably the Earth or something, or maybe a, a different planet, but I thought that was a good. Um, is it foreshadowing, or is it just the writers of Infinity War saying, "Oh, that, well, let's follow through with that that thought," you know? Mm-hmm. And Thanos is to be con- considered a, a god, or at least of that stature. Where he, especially if he gets all the Infinity Stones, he will be a god. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, so, Vision is born. They 
they cut the power so they can't finish downloading or bring him back to life. They do download Jarvis's consciousness into him, but they're trying to uh, finish the process and the power's cut. Quicksilver pulls the cord, process stops. But then we see Thor just show up. He had left earlier from Barton's farm. He shows up with his hammer and uses lightning to infuse and create vision. Right? So at that point, Vision is alive, and he jumps out and throws Thor around, but then he calms down, and this is when we see the birth of Vision. Um, so what did you, what are your thoughts on Vision? Like, what's his purpose? Uh, it, it's a good question. Obviously, he... He has good qualities, right? I mean, he picks up Thor's hammer. Enough said. Um, and um, so he's got good qualities. Now, I wonder if Thor's power de- isn't necessarily tied to righteousness as a quality as opposed to judgment, which can be good or bad. Right. Um, uh, sometimes j- judgment comes and we don't like it, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's not it, not uh, pure judgment. You know what I'm saying? You know, what I'm trying to say. So I, I don't think he's necessarily a good character or a bad character, but he sees a balance in the universe and he's there to make sure that balance exists. You know, and, and you see it more in Civil War when he says, you know, Captain Rogers, I know you think what you're doing is the right thing to do. Like, and he can see what, what everyone's thinking, but, you know, he is there to to, to create, like, I, I, and, and I don't know how to quite, how to say it, but um, in order, like there's an, like everything should be done in an order orderly fashion it, it everything has its place there's a place for everything and that's what he's there to preserve hmm. okay that's and which is weird because you hear him and uh um you hear him and ultron talk about it right like that human you know they think you know humans think order and chaos are are opposites but they're not and so I think that he, he, he understands that and he's willing to keep that balance regardless of who he's fighting. doesn't matter if he's fighting Captain America this time or Iron Man next time. Yeah. That's what he's there to do. So is he a manifestation of the Mind Stone? Is he the Mind Stone made alive or is he his own person and the Mind Stone gives him power? Yeah, so I was thinking about that. I was going to ask you that question. So I think – so we see in some of the promotional material for, for the new one, we see that Thanos is pulling out the Mind Stone from him, right? Yeah. But I think he exists after that. Okay. Because like it – like he uh, – and Thor kind of says it. He can carry the Mind Stone. So you know he or he can carry the, he can carry my hammer so he's worthy of the mind stone. Yeah. So I think whatever vision is can exist outside the mind stone. The mind stone is just like an extra power. It'd be kind of like you know somebody having another infinity stone and putting it in a weapon and then using that weapon. 
So I think that he can exist outside of it, but I don't think he'll be able to exist inside his current body. Hmm. So Jarvis would separate from the body? And he would have to be downloaded or uploaded or whatever into something else. And I think you kind of see that, right, in some of the promotional material. When we see, um, was it Paul Bettany in a normal body? We did? Yeah. Don't you remember that? Uh It shows him him outside of his uh, electronic body. Hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah, you have to watch it. And so when I saw that, I was like, I bet that's him re-uploaded into a human body or, or living tissue or something like that. You know, like they took um, – they, they've been able to advance that kind of technology where she, where he can do that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll be looking for that to see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. is Vision going to die or does – I guess does Jarvis live on? Because at the end of the day, he's just AI. Yeah. Right. And if he can create, and if if like like uh, Ultron did, and he did, if he can exist inside the internet and the body at the same time, then he doesn't need necessarily need one or the other. He needs, you know, he could. If his body dies, he still exists in the internet, and if the internet dies, he still exists in his body. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. One other. So after this vision is created and they come up with a plan to stop Ultron. They're going to infiltrate the Sokovian castle and stop him. They're going to rescue Natasha who was captured during their South Korea adventure to rescue Vision. And so Bruce Banner goes to rescue Natasha, uh, Iron Man and Thor are going to try and stop Ultron and then the rest are going to evacuate the city. So they're, they don't know what Ultron's plan is, but his plan is to... He's created this thing where it, it holds the city together, blasts off up into the atmosphere, and then drops it like an asteroid impacting the Earth, and it creates this life-threatening event where billions die. I don't know, kind of convoluted if you ask me a little too uh, too many ifs, ands, or buts could happen. But that's what he decides to do. And one of the things that they were trying to figure out is Tony Stark goes to Nexus, which is the internet hub of the world, right? It has all these servers and he's hacking into Nexus and he's trying to find a hacker. But did they ever find out who was what was going on like what was the purpose of that i don't i didn't catch it if they did i don't remember that part yeah it was like they they mentioned it in their plan and then he went there and it was like a 30 second scene and then from what i got from what i remember nothing really came of it hmm they they wanted to they wanted to stop ultron from escaping through the internet right he so he wouldn't just download himself oh. somewhere else outside of Sokovia. What wasn't that then? Is wasn't that when he figured out who was because they were trying to find out who was keeping the uh, changing the codes so that uh-huh. Ultron couldn't access the the uh-huh. nuclear bombs, and that's when he found Vision. That's when he found Jarvis still alive. Oh, so Jarvis was the the force behind that. 
yeah, Jarvis was the one, uh, and he said he wasn't even doing it consciously. It was just part of like his protocols to protect, you know, or do whatever he was doing, you know, and uh, and so whatever remained part of uh, of Jarvis was doing that, okay. and then that's when, when he found him and then put him back together. Okay, so I have it out of order then. The yeah, he goes there. They, he goes to Nexus bef- while. Uh, Captain America and everyone else goes to get the vision, the body of vision. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. And he finds Jarvis and then they meet up at the Stark Tower again. Okay. That makes more sense. So, yeah, they go to Sokovia. They're fighting all the, they're evacuating, evacuating everyone as well as fighting off all the drones that Ultron has created. And then fighting Ultron, and then trying to stop him from destroying the city. So a lot of stuff, a lot of storylines going on at the same time. And how, for me, it was, I don't know. Again, a lot of stuff going on with, I don't know, how many Avengers are there? Like seven or eight? And they're able to stop hundreds of drones that are constantly attacking them. You know, it seems a little, little too much, if you ask me. But well, well, especially for the number of drones, I could see, you know, some of it. But with that many drones, you would just think it's just an, you know attrition by numbers. Yeah, like it, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you could kill, a, you know, five hundred, but you can't. Eventually, one's going to get through. Yeah. So, and on top of they're trying to protect the people from getting shot by these guys. And evacuating them at the same time. I don't know. I just a little too much uh, ambition, uh, ambitious storyline there, if you ask me. Um, but they're able to repel all the drones. The city starts to lift off, though, into the sky. And this is when we see Nick Fury show up in the helicarrier. They come up with a plan to evacuate the people, get them all off. But at the last minute, uh, there's this little boy who hides in a stairwell instead of escaping. And so Clint Barton says, oh, I'll go get him. So he runs over, grabs him. Ultron, in his last attempt to escape, stole one of the, the ships from the Avengers and starts just shooting everybody. And he's about to shoot Clint Barton and this little kid, but Quicksilver jumps in front of the bullets and gets shot instead. And he dies as a result but saves Barton and this little kid so they everybody gets into the the evacuation ships and escapes but the twin Scarlet Witch fills Quicksilver's death so she goes and hunts down Ultron rips his mechanical heart out but left the the contraption that's flying the island of the city island she left it unmanned after she said she would stay there. So one of the robots is able to turn it off, initiating the you know the fall, the drop of the city. And so um, Tony Stark and Thor have to break up the island as much as they can to prevent it from falling and killing more people on the ground. But then they, and they're able to do that with not a, not too much loss of life. Mm-hmm. Just a few thousand, you know, no yeah, big deal. No big deal. No big deal, people. <laughs> so as a result of that, we get the plot line of Captain America's Civil War. Mm-hmm. The Sokovia Accords are created. 
and we'll talk about that. So at least the movie had lasting consequences, not only with the characters, but the overall story. So I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, no, that's good. Cause it's always good to know that like what they're doing now affects future movies as opposed to kind of a lot of standalone movies. Yeah. So, uh, they, they able to recover and everybody reunites back at, uh, well, actually, we find out that there's a new facility uh, that's been created uh, in upstate New York, the new Avengers facility. Do we know why they left Stark Tower? Uh, I happen to think that Stark Tower was more like of a business and they needed more room for the Avengers. I don't know if it actually ever says. Yeah, I didn't catch sure that. I'm sure there's something somewhere or some kind of weird line somewhere that kind of alludes to it more. But I, I think that it had to do with um, uh, them just needing a space specifically for the Avengers, not for you know Stark Industries and the Avengers. Yeah, that's a good point. And we do see later in Spider-Man Homecoming that they eventually even leave that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so they they reunite at the the new Avengers facility, and we got everyone back. Clint Barton goes home to his wife and newborn baby. Uh, oh yeah, Hulk. We didn't talk about him during this battle. Uh, he he stays the Hulk the whole time, and him and Romanoff were gonna leave. They were gonna escape together, but. Romanoff pushes him down a hole so he could turn into the Hulk and help. He's like, yeah, she's like, you're sweet, but I need I need the monster right now. Yeah. Whatever she says, you know. Yeah. So he changes, and he he does help out. He does, be, you know, help the Avengers with all this chaos that's going on. So he is able to, like, Ultron was shooting up the, the city, and he shot Quicksilver in the jet, but Hulk is able to jump on the jet, rip out and throw out Ultron from the ship. And that's how Scarlet Witch finds him. But he's still in the ship and he just takes off. And the last we see is him flying in the in this jet in the atmosphere going somewhere. And it doesn't really say how, but he ends up on another planet and he's a major plot point, major character in the mm. latest Thor movie, uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. You never know how, um, it kind of deviates a little bit from the, uh, so in the comic books, <laughs> he totally gets betrayed <laughs> by fantastic four and, uh, Tony Stark and they, they send him into space. Okay. And, uh, so <laughs> it's kind of messed up. They're like, Hey Bruce, we need your help. Can you jump in this and just go on this uh, trip for us real quick? And he's like, sure. And he jumps in. And he's like, hey, guys, this is taking me off planet. What's going on? And they're like, oh, yeah, um, <laughs> we're sick of Hulk destroying everything, so we're sending you away. We're sorry. Bye. <laughs> That's kind of like what happened. And you're like, man, what jerks? <laughs> and then Planet Hulk, you know, and everything else happens. So uh, I'm not quite sure if they'll ever answer what happened, you know, like how he got there. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But 
I'm sure same thing. He'll just fly into space and eventually he'll end up on planet, planet Hulk. Yeah. So he, he disappears and that's where, why we don't see him for the next few movies. Uh, so yeah, they reunite the other, the, those ones that didn't, um, leave. And we got Nick Fury. He's back. He seems like he's in a supervisory role. You know, he's some type of leadership role, looks like, there at that facility. So I got the impression that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s a part of the Avengers. They're teaming up again, or however they interact at this point. And Black Widow's there. Uh, Iron Man is there, but he leaves. He kind of gives the the feeling that he's done. You know, he's, he says he's going to tap out, is what he says. And he doesn't isn't going to be a part of it anymore. Um, and we, Captain America's there. Uh, who else? Who am I missing? At the... Oh, at the, the, the new facility. training grounds? Yeah. Thor was there, and he was kind of... He talked about the Infinity Stones and how... This is the fourth Infinity Stone in the last couple of years that have shown up, and he senses that someone's behind it all, and he's going to go try and figure it out. And then he takes off to Asgard. And <sighs> then, so then we got uh, Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanoff talking, and they they're going to go talk to the new team, is what they say. And they walk into a room. And they, who's all there? We get to see as the new team. Uh, you get, um, I, I can't remember all their names. Uh, Visions. Machine. Yeah, War Machine's there. Visions there. Romanoff are not in the top. Um, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch is there, and uh, what is his name? Falcon. Falcon. The, so it's just those four for now, yeah. right? Because Ant, Ant-Man hasn't really been introduced in. Spider-Man hasn't. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pre pre any of the those characters. Yeah. So we got those four plus Steve and Natasha. So six. And that's, that's how the movie ends. Uh, there isn't... There's only one mid-credit scene. And this is where we see... Scene opens up with the gauntlet, the Infinity Stone gauntlet, but there's no Infinity Stones in it. And Thanos is there; he puts it on, and he says, "Fine, I'll do it myself." And then that it ends right there. So we want to thank you guys for joining us on our Marvel Avengers rewatch series, and we've talked about Age of Ultron. Up, up next is Ant Man, movie number thirteen. So we have three weeks to get caught up. I think there's only five more movies left. So we'll be good. And uh, join us on our homepage, randomangst.com, where you can find all our podcasts. Uh, We can find all the Marvel Avengers Rewatch series, as well as a Middle Earth series that we're doing, we're in the middle of. So far, we've done Hobbit 1, 2, and 3, and we're going to start up the Lord of the Rings trilogy here pretty soon. And then we also have our, our normal podcast that we're doing. And we'll eventually we'll we'll branch out into other franchises like Star Wars or Harry Potter or uh, D- some DC movies. Uh, we're Star Trek. Do it all. Star Trek definitely. There's we have a, to do that one. It's more important than Star Wars. Um, we'll get to it eventually. 
<laughs> no, we'll, we'll get there along with any other uh, movie franchise. We've talked about doing the Terminator. We just haven't gotten back to it yet. Ever since that movie franchise got put on hold, uh, we kind of put it on hold. But we'll get to it, and as well as others. So if there's any that you want to hear us talk about, definitely contact us on our Facebook page. Uh, Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash randomangst and facebook.com slash thecredulousnerds as well as on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, anchor.fm so give us a listen and give us some feedback let us know what you like and as all our podcasts are hosted on patreon.com we want to invite you to become a patron and support us on patreon to be able to uh, put out better quality episodes more frequent episodes and uh, support us that way so go there Credulous Nerds on the on Patreon.com. Donate a dollar a month. If you're feeling generous, five dollars a month. And all that money goes towards uh, supporting us, pay for you know web service, pay for podcasting services, helps us improve our equipment, um, gets us out to more movie premieres, you know, all that stuff. You know, we're just gonna pour it back into the podcast to better serve you and bring you better information. So definitely check us out on patreon.com we want to thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time hey see you guys